I'm How good. are you doing, son? I'm good. I'm sorry. I had to. Um, I had to get a drink. It's Friday night. Um, otherwise, our sponsors would uh, would uh, would be upset with me. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd have a bottle of vodka. I thought you'd have something well, yeah, stronger than that. If we're sponsored by Smirnoff, we're doing well. No, no. I. Um, <laughs> it's alcohol. No, I, it's alcohol. I should have a whole load of like bottles behind me, shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. No. I've um, <laughs> I've almost spilt that everywhere now as well. No, I, well, uh, I'm just gonna, okay. I'm just gonna take a sip. Hang on. I've, I've got a, I've got a nurse I'm speaking to tomorrow, Nurse Enya, and I'm just hoping yeah. she's not drunk when she turns up. So <laughs> anyone that knows her, um, just try and keep her off the booze for tomorrow night, if you would, please. That'd be really it's useful. Alcohol free anyway. I, I tend to have one of these before, because um, it, it, what I find is if I have an alcohol free beer before a yeah. meal, I tend to not then have a craving or drink wine with it. So it just kind of takes... Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It stops me from drinking, basically. So. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, you can use that excuse if you want to, I suppose. It depends on how much you drink in the first place, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's for, so a, anyway, that's for thanks. another live. That's for another live, I think. That's for another night. That, that'll be Saturday night, maybe another live on a Saturday evening. Um, but thanks for joining me anyway, so it's really nice to uh, see you. Uh, I've, we, we met as a result of um, an online forum called Aesthetic Entrepreneurs on Facebook. I've never met you before, and we've chatted and we've, um, we've passed information between each other. Because of um, Aesthetic Entrepreneurs, where it's a group of practitioners that, that work and speak together, talk to each other about the work that they do, and it helps to helps to progress their business and helps to maintain focus on what they want to achieve out of their work. So um, I think you've, have you been on there for quite a while? Have you been on AE for a while? I have. So I joined this time last year, in fact. And yeah. uh, the reason was obviously Richard Crawford Small, who, who runs it um, and is our Svengali of all everything, aesthetics and marketing and business. Um, obviously you, you watch the free content as in the, all that information that loads of information puts out and then you know it makes sense and that's what i joined so i think i joined this time last year and yes it, it has made a difference i've i've been vocal about it as well within our group yeah. not so much in the big wider internet world because yeah. I think people know what it's about really but yeah when there's two of us here discussing it then definitely i mean i have um obviously been to medical i did a degree first in human physiology at UCL, the right. so University of London, and then I did medicine, and yeah. then I went into obviously the NHS and then the army. But yeah. all through that time, I haven't spent any time doing a business training. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I decided to start a business with no former business knowledge. <laughs> enough said so the point was is that's why i joined because i realized that i've spent this amount of time i've got two degrees it doesn't make me a good business person i need to actually speak to someone or learn from someone that is good at business who understands it and actually yeah. the business that i'm involved with which is aesthetics so yeah. you know richard has come from his past ground as well he's been a rep hasn't he for fillers yeah. and he's grown yeah. his business up um, he, he's he's lost it all and he's got it all back again as well so yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a really nice bloke and it's nice listening to the work that he does and the um you know the webinars that he pulls out puts out every week it's fantastic listening to him um but yeah tell me 
about the different types of work that you do, Sonny, because you're, although you're a doctor, you do a number of different things in that field as well as other fields as well, don't you? Yeah, so um, my, my primary background is general practice. So uh, I was a GP in the army for quite a few years. And then I built up my aesthetics or what I now term my wellness business um, on the side whilst I was in the army, building it up from, you know, the one or two clients to the, to the few clients that we have now. Mm. Um, and so, you know, some of my clients will always, always laugh, when's the other client coming in? I'm like, I've got a few more than the two of you now. You know? <laughs> um, so what I do now is I'll, I'll do aesthetics or wellness, yeah. Um, I will try and do as much GP as I can. So that these days, that's actually triaging or, or using or doing out of hours. So I'll yeah. work in an out of hours setting um, yeah. and I'll do two or three. I'll try and do at least two sessions a week, which means working in the evening, um, yeah. seeing patients that can't get to their own GP. And then they'll yeah. come and see you in, a, in an out of hours hub or in an A&E setting. Um, right. And then on... And then the other job that I do is I provide remote medical cover for offshore oil rigs and ships. Do so, um, like for t on Sunday, I'll be on call all day from 7.30 right. to 7.30 in the evening. And then we might get calls from um, marine um, or sailors, I suppose, who are in yeah. uh, the Maldives, you know, they're on oil rigs or ships. Right. And then the company that I work for, they also offer, they provide cover for people in the North Sea. So, yeah. Instead of them, instead the medics on board usually, or there's a medic there, but then that medic will yeah. see the patient, and then they'll ring through to someone like me, and they'll say, "Well, what, what? This is these the this is what's going on. What do you think it is, yeah. doc?" Right. And then, um, in an emergency, then they might be administering life-saving drugs, and we're on the end of a phone saying, "Well, this is what right. needs to be done." So, must must yeah. be very. I've never come across a doctor that's done that before. Must um, be interesting work. There's a few people out there. Yeah, it's a bit, I mean, I, I signed up to it because of my military background and it, yeah. it keeps me connected with that. So, you know, sometimes you know, someone will have a rash and they'll send you a picture and you'll be able to diagnose it. And sometimes there'll be someone that needs to be medevaced. Um, you know, the exciting cases of someone who's, um, who's been working in South America, they've been admitted to hospital and then you need to send a medevac team in via, yeah. you know, via whichever American hub. Um, it's, it is exciting and it, it reminds yeah. me of, reminds me of good times in the army, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Your, your army work must have been interesting as well. I, did, I didn't realise you were, used to be a GP in the army. Yeah, no, so I was a major. Um, so I retired You're as a major. major last year. It was a great time to retire. So I had a secure salary. Obviously, I'd get deployed now and again. Um, but yeah. if someone had told me last year that you're about to retire and there's going to be a worldwide <laughs> pandemic, and it's probably not the best time to become self-employed. Yeah. I, I would have, um, I would have uh, said, um, yeah, you're going down a different route. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. Um, my job in the army. I, so I did all my training in NHS, and then I. Uh, qualified as a GP in the army and then I was attached to infantry regiments and wherever they would deploy whatever they would do I would go with them so I went to Afghanistan yeah. I went to the Middle East I went to Africa places like that uh, Afghanistan was really in my war deployment um, but yeah it was, it was good it was interesting but it was time for a change I think um, I'm getting yeah. old so <laughs> you don't you don't look that old Sonny <laughs> well it's funny you should say that. That's the, that's the business I'm in. <laughs> well, going on to the next part of yeah, the conversation, 
you started doing aesthetics um, after your work in the army and after you started off as a doctor some years back. So how did you get into the world of aesthetics? So I'd always wanted to run a business, but I wasn't quite sure. So I'd always had this entrepreneurial spirit within me, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So you're not allowed to laugh, but I did. I started doing a little bit of training in occupational medicine. And then I also did, um, obviously started doing the training in aesthetics. And then yeah. I thought, well, which, which business route should I go down? Do I want to become yeah. a private consultant in the occupational medicine world? And obviously aesthetics is a lot more exciting, a lot more sexy. So I, um, <laughs> so I chose aesthetics, not really realizing how probably difficult it can be. Um, so yeah. that's why I chose aesthetics because I wanted to do something that was kind of had a little bit of surgery has a lot of medicine involved with it, but also yeah. has that business element as well. Um, yeah. I mean, did you, is that, I mean, as a pharmacist background, is that something that you, is that why you yeah. got into it as well? Or? I, I oddly uh, got into it completely by accident. I, I've worked, I, I'm 50 now, I'm 50 years old, so I'm, I'm an old fogey, as some people might describe me. And you don't look it, oh. you don't look it. Oh, you're too kind. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> But, um, but I, I started off in pharmacy, um, so I did, um, I did a normal degree at Sunderland Uni um, years back. Um, I did postgraduate work at Keele University, um, so I've got a clinical, um, clinical pharmacy uh, master's. Um, and after I did some work in community, um, I went into GP practice work about five years back, okay. and it was a pilot that was for the NHS national national scheme to introduce pharmacists into GP practices around the country. So I was involved in one of the first pilots for that full process. Um, so I trained as a, as a GP practice pharmacist and I did my prescribing degree um, qualification five years back. And after I finished, one of the other um, pharmacists within the scheme, he said to me, Viv, what are you going to do now? Are you going to carry on with chronic disease management, asthma, diabetes, etc.? Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to carry on with hypertension. Um, and he said, why don't you look at aesthetics? I had no idea what it was about. Did a bit of research, spoke to a few people, ended up training with Derma Medical over in London yeah. um, about 45 years ago with Zach Ali and Sana, his wife. Um, did my foundation training, did my mass um, advanced training, um, I did a, I did masterclass training, and then I did lip augmentation masterclass training with Zach and Sana. So I ended up doing full time aesthetics um, about four, just over four years back now. So I got so, into it. I think we started at the same time then, roughly, because I think twenty. I got back from Afghanistan in from twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen. I was in Afghanistan, yeah. and then. I got back and I think probably I started thinking, oh, maybe I should try something a little bit different as well. And I think probably we started training. I, I went to Harvey Academy. I did look at the medical, yeah. very, very good training school. Um, yeah. And especially because they do training in Dubai, which is... Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, they yeah. do. But uh, I think we started at the same time then, roughly. Yeah, probably about the same time. So I, I've, I was, I've been doing um, full-time aesthetics for about four years now, um, based up in the northeast, up in um, just outside Yarmin, little little area just on the edge of Teesside. Um, so I've got my own clinic and I do work from home. So I've got a converted 
Garage, which is uh, a clinic, um, COVID secure, I do all my work here. Um, so I enjoy it. I love doing the work. Um, but it was, it was something that I got into purely by accident. I never intended to get into this area of practice. Um, but now I'm specialising in different parts of aesthetics and particularly lip augmentation of all so things. I think when I, because obviously us being in the same forum and the same group, and, I, and obviously I followed um, Skin Pharma on Facebook and Insta, but I noticed that the passion was pretty evident um, in what you like doing. And I know that you do a lot of um, promotional and safety work, safety notes yeah. on Instagram, which I think, you know, anyone yeah. who's now watching should, you know, go and have a look at Viv's Halloween. Um, <laughs> which is slightly, which is actually scary, but then very interesting. <laughs> but where, where mm. I've kind of, as a GP, I guess, just kind of more broad and holistic, yeah. you very much specialized in lip, um, lip, or, lip or augmentation or lip fillers. Yeah. And yeah. and to give you credit, when people say lip fillers, they just assume, oh yeah, lip fillers, you know, you whack it in, whack it. But you you've got a really different approach, haven't you? So it, it, it's completely different because I've trained with some of the best people in the world, you know, to do what I do. I'm not just your backstreet cowboys. Some people I consider to be. Um, I could name them, but I won't. But there's a lot of people that do aesthetics and. A lot of them just unfortunately aren't trained or trained well to do the work that they do. And I think if you don't enjoy it and you're not passionate about it, you'll never be as good as you really could be. Yeah, true, true. And Same I, mean, with anything. I mean, you trained with, these names probably won't mean much to many people, but they definitely caught my eye when, you know, you, you've trained with Julie Horn, who is like a super celebrity. I mean, we've got, We've got people like Rita Rackus in the UK who are the lip queens of London. But I mean, Julie Horne yeah. is like the lip queen of Europe, if, if she, not the world. She's, she's a really nice lady. She's, um, she's, she's based in, well, she was based in Norway, in Oslo. Um, she was, she's been engaged now. She was engaged to, um, I don't know exactly who he is, but he's, he's based in South Africa. I know that much. <laughs> and she's now living with her fiancé in South Africa. Um, she okay. travels back over to Europe, I think, every so often, but because of COVID, there's been problems. Yeah. Um, there's this Swiss um, Aesthetics Academy that she's now working at in Switzerland, um, and that's with another doc with a doctor there. Um, but I was really lucky to be able to um, train with her last year, about 18 months back now, um, after following her for a number of years, and I, I spoke to her a few times about becoming a trainee of hers, carrying out mass class lip augmentation training. And she said, Viv, no problem. I've seen the work you do. Um, just let me know what you when you want to do it. Um, because she won't just train anybody. You need yeah. at least three years of, of full aesthetic practice behind you to be able to make use of her techniques. If you are basic trained, you will find it very difficult to pick up the techniques that she trains you to carry out so she expects you to have a, a, a good history of, of work behind you and, and good experience which you must have to be able to progress further let's, um, um, so, let's just give a shout out because you've got some fans on here Viv, oh so i know I, I, um, I never look at those i never look at that so, you. so laura joined us um e jag wilson joined 
Emma, Emma FX joined. Dr. Jigna's joined us as well from Vader Skin. Hi, hi, uh, Jigna. Rebecca from Protocol has joined. Um, Derm Refine, you've got a fan there. Vivek, you look super cute, not looking old. So obviously, <laughs> that's I don't know how much you Balsam. paid. That's Balsam, <laughs> the pharmacist. Oh, Balsam, okay, yeah. Um, my clinic manager has joined as well because he's probably wondering why I'm not answering any messages. And um, uh, one of your clients, about Katie Fern model, she's looking forward to lockdown finishing. And even, um, I've forgotten, Dr. Azam, Azam MD Beauty from, I think that's one of the clinics that we follow stateside. So she's right. joined, very, very big in, um, yeah. in the States. And, oh, I think, okay, well, Kirsty's basically saying, Do you, can she come and work for you instead of me? Okay, great. Well, let's swiftly move oh. on from there. She'd rather work for me than you. <laughs> <laughs> you're losing, you're losing your stuff, Sonny. What are you doing? <laughs> she likes, she likes the look of you more than she likes me. So, yeah. Well, what can I say? I've, I've never, if, if, I've not had aesthetic treatment. I've got to say, I'll be honest. I've not had any aesthetic treatment myself, and I've, I hit fifty in January. Now, be honest. Have you had any treatments yourself? Yeah, I have. Every, have you? Most of the treatments, apart from lip fillers. Yeah. I have had. So um, I have Botox twice a year. Right. So it stops these things from happening. Yeah. Um, I use all the skincare. I mean, I'm experimenting with skincare all the time. Obviously, men's skin is different to my, yeah. you know, my patients, but um, they appreciate when I'm talking about the, what a product feels like, how, it, how the serum penetrates in. I've had yeah. peels, and I haven't had a peel, as I was saying to a client that, um, over the phone, I haven't had a I haven't had a peel for about a year now because skincare maintains it. I have yeah. had fillers. Um, yeah. Guess how many mils of filler I've had? Not never. It's never about mils, but where about have you had filler? Well, where do you think? Um, you look so natural. Who did the work for you? One of your friends? Uh, well, it's, you didn't uh, do it I yourself. Say, Tristan, so Tr Dr. Meta, so Tristan from Harley Academy. Right. Who, Very where, where natural. To, yeah. So I used to do so obviously covid has put pace to that a little bit but i used to obviously yeah. work at harley i, I used to yeah. like to go to um to london once a month and, and do teaching on the cosmetic dermatological so and i trained yeah. so i started my training off i should actually pick that up a little bit more but i started my training with harley academy yeah. um when, when you did yours with Derm medical so yeah. um in regards to fillers i've had i've had tear troughs done although that's wearing off now and yeah. i you can probably tell that where the tear trough extends down into the mid face yeah. So I've had, I have had fillers um, along the upper cheek, mid face. Yeah. And this is always more volumized on this side naturally. This side I lose volume yeah. very quickly. Um, right. And I had it in the chin as well. And the thing is that you can't tell with the beard, but I've got quite yeah. a feminine chin, jokingly. Right. And my, my chin becomes pointed like that and yeah. turns up. But a man's right. chin, if we're talking about male rejuvenation, if I can do that yeah. as much, and a man's chin should be you know, square. And it obviously yeah. should be the width. Um, width of the width of the nose, but mine becomes yeah. a little bit as we lose volume, it becomes pointed. So yeah, I've had I've had it done. I've had right. um, microneedling. Yeah, right. You, you you look after yourself then. You make you make sure you look after your body inside and out. Well, I, this is the thing about aesthetics is that I I was definitely over the past few years looking after my. Um, my skin and my body on the outside. But yeah. last year, at the point when I was retiring, I was starting to notice a, a real degradation in cognitive function, memory, 
um, and just general fatigue, bloating, tiredness, all those sort of things that people come. And that's where the wellness journey started for me. And, and the company that I chose to work alongside was Zenzino, um, who produce an amazing set of supplements. Um, and that's for, probably for another time. So I turn this into a pitch for supplements, yeah. but it is about taking care of your skin from within. So my motto is, you know, feed your skin from within, but yeah. you want to take a supplement that's, um, is, you know, you can test how effective it is. And that's where yeah. my practice comes in. You know, I can, we can test how effective a supplement is going to be for you by identifying yeah. a nutritional deficiency. And, you know, collagen, um, and Rebecca from Protocol was there. So, and I chose a Protocol as my collagen supplement of choice because it's right. um, hydrolyzed collagen with hyaluronic acid. And it does work, you know. Collagen right. and omega-3 combined together, amazing results. And I think that's something that my focus about spreading the word is that it's not all about what you can inject in. It's not yeah. all about the skincare. It's also about what you're feeding your skin as well. So yeah, well, that's good. It's interesting. It's just you, uh, you don't. I don't certainly normally hear um, doctors or any healthcare practitioners talking about anything other than direct Botox, fillers, skin peels, and they all avoid talking about anything else in terms of looking after themselves. So it's. I mean. I mean I, I, I guess, I guess there's a bit of there's a, sometimes I think there's a bit of stigma attached to supplements because you know um, Dr. Paul Clayton, who's a clinical advisor for Zinzino, he's a clinical pharmacologist, um, and you know he's got years of knowledge. You know, um, th this is the thing. You know, me and you talking about everything from lip fillers to supplements, sharing knowledge, is how you then improve patients' knowledge as well because you're then able to educate them. And it's the same for, yeah. for example, Dr. Paul Clayton. I can email him with a query about, you know, vitamin D supplementation or omega-3. And, you know, he'll respond back. But he won't say, oh, you've got to take this supplement. He'll come back with the evidence base behind it. And I think yeah. that's where you'll find that those people that are most knowledgeable will talk about it. And I'm guessing yeah. those people that don't really put stock in it, you know, they, yeah. they won't. Why would they? So, yeah. And, Not true. Yeah. But, true. I mean... Go on, you're going to ask me. No, no, I was just thinking, um, we talk, we, we've talked for so long, and I've, I've got this schedule in front of me to try and stick to these questions. Go, we go, haven't go. even gone past the second question. <laughs> so what I, was, what I was going to say was, what, what do you like about your work? What, what really drives you to do your work every day? What makes you get up and do it instead of just falling asleep and staying in bed all day? Well... You know, it's if you won the lot. If I won the lottery tonight, although I haven't bought a ticket, what what would I do tomorrow morning? And I thought about this because when I started, you know, on on the days when you're running a business, you really do think, am I? What am I going to do? If I win the lottery. What will I do next day? Well, I think I would go to work because I do love. I, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Passionate about skin, and then I'm passionate about wellness, um, and I'm passionate about making a difference in people's lives. Now, I can do that as a GP. That's fine. You know, medicine in this country is all about reactive treatment. You know, I have an illness, I have a problem, I'll go yeah. and get it treated. Or, I mean, let's bring it back to aesthetics. I have a line, so yeah. I want that line treated. And yeah. you know as well as I do that when patients come in, yeah, that's the thing that you're focused on or the tear troughs. But actually, yeah. look at the templar loss that you've got here, or look at the volume yeah. loss in your face, or well, look at all the acne that's affecting all the spots, the breakouts, and. Let, before yeah. we stick a needle in your face, let's sort out, let's sort your skin out. Um, yeah. So my, and this is going back to aesthetic entrepreneurs, is 
if I wake up in the morning, my mantra is now, what can I, how can I make a difference to someone's life? How can I, a small difference, you know, I'm not talking about finding a cure for cancer, but a small difference in their life and adding value. Because if you can yeah. add value to someone's life, then you'll make a difference and you've done something for the day. And yes, if you get yeah. paid for it, then brilliant. That's always a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, there's, all, there's always a balance. There's things that go well. There's also things that don't go quite so well. So what sort of things that maybe you don't like about the work or things that irritate you about the work that you do? Well, I'm always irritated, but I'll never let it show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll just, I'll just wait for a comment from Kirsty, if she's still watching. Right. Uh, no, she's is not. She's going to write something about you, is she? No, she won't. No, she won't. Um, what irritates <laughs> me? I think I, I think with aesthetics, it's it's so, one thing about aesthetics is not regulated, so that irritates yeah. me. That yeah. we are healthcare professionals and we're delivering medical treatments, and I think what irritates me is that we're not it, the industry is not regulated. Um, and whose fault is that? I don't know. We're, as we become more senior within the industry, I think we've got a responsibility. So that's irritation number one. The second irritation is with myself because um, I want to achieve certain things, but one thing is the best possible patient, you know, the delivery of what someone wants. Yeah. Um, and I'll get irritated myself when I'm not delivering it. And it's about the patient journey. And this is one thing that we go over and over again. And I still haven't done it. And I'm irritated right now that I haven't done it. It's when that patient first comes to you, have you armed them with the right knowledge, the right background, and the right education so they can make an informed decision so that when they start the journey with you and every point of that yeah. journey where you touch or do anything with them, yeah. are they getting the best possible treatment, the best possible service from you. And when I'm not delivering that for them, and I know yeah. what it is, you know, we're talking, making our patients feel like rock stars. You know, a patient yeah. comes into me, you know, it's that, it's that Virgin advert, isn't it? That was a few years ago. You go on holiday with Virgin, you're going to be a rock yeah. star. Yeah. And that's what I want my patients to feel like when they come to my clinic. You know, my patients are rock stars um, yeah. within their own right. So I get irritated when I'm not delivering that really. And how about you? What about what irritates you? Same, same thing. Um, it's really the way you I work. You know, how can I improve what I do? What do I need to make my work better for my clients, my patients? I'm a healthcare professional. I've got a duty of care for every patient I see. They're clients, but they're also patients. And that's the difference yeah. between a healthcare practitioner doing work and somebody else. That That's what I find irritating as well. It's, it's difficult to get it into everyone's heads that, that everyone that does aesthetic work isn't the same. And it's only when there's a problem that somebody will understand that. Um, and unfortunately, it boils down to experience. Somebody has to go through a problem to realise that going down the wrong route will give you the problem that you end up with. You know, there's multiple routes to getting something done. And if you pick the wrong route, it's your own fault, I suppose. It, it's down to knowledge and education. If people can understand that, that this work isn't just a simple shove a needle in your face and that's it, if they can understand that there's problems associated with doing that, they may well think more about what they do and why they're doing it. Some of it comes down to cost. You know, people are bothered by costs of things that they buy. But I think to myself, you know, there's a, there's a client that comes in and they spend money on drink, booze, beer, Sky TV, whatever. And um, 
but they still want a really cheap lip treatment, even though they're spending thousands every month on other things that they think are important. They want something done on their face. Um, and it's not as important in terms of the price that they pay. They're quite happy going to get that work done somewhere else. So in some ways that irritates me, the things that maybe people need more information about. But a lot of the things I do as well, I look at what I do and how I can improve things. And it irritates me when I haven't done as well as I could do, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I was, um, I mean, we've got, I think, a couple of people watching from the States and uh, Dr. Azmad is one of them. You know, in everywhere else in the world, I, 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 we'll try not to go down this rabbit hole, but everywhere else around the world, it's a regulated industry that healthcare professionals do, you know, doctors, nurses, dentists, pharmacists, or, you know, healthcare professionals. Um, yeah. And I know it's a little bit different in the UK, but yeah, it's, it, it, they, they are, they're astounded. I mean, there are backstreet operators, but then they're, they're straightforward. They're not, they're not on the high street in salons. They're in, you know, they're in clinics. So, um, yeah. but go on, go on with your schedule because otherwise we'll bore people. No, no, don't. Look. It's interesting talking to you because we could end up talking about certain things all night without any problem at all. So it's enjoyable. I, I enjoy talking about different things. Um, any funny stories about the work you've done in the past, either as a doctor in GP oh, practice oh. work or either in your you aesthetics work? Babe, must be... you, didn't, you didn't warn me of this question. You, <laughs> you must have seen a number of, of of problems or a number of funny things that you've come across. Um, I've got multiple stories that I could tell, but they'll okay, go on well, all night. So I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. It's a bit go cringy, on. but um, so I do. Yeah. I do IPL for photo rejuvenation, or I do. Um, right. So it, it, you know, IPL that? helps to manage uh, rosacea, redness, photo damage. That sort yeah. of thing. Um, so a patient come in and she'd got uh, a bit of pigmentation and um, so you know everything's done they're on the couch and you know, she, she's a bit nervous so she's asking me things like how many of these have you done we'd only had the machine for a year so um, you know we've, I've, been, I've done a few and then I said oh um, one of the side effects of the machine is that it can sometimes remove hair um, and she was like oh hang on, what do you mean? And I was like, well, normally when you say this to a man or a woman, I would say a man, you avoid the beard line because you don't want to give them yeah. uh, hair removal yeah. treatment. But sometimes, you know, some ladies will have a little bit of fine hair on the top lip and you say to them, look, I hope you're not too attached to those fine hairs. Um, yeah. The laser might just get rid of them. So um, there's me, you know, trying to make the patient feel comfortable, being a little bit jokey about it and uh, saying, oh, well, um, as we're going over the top of it, you might notice that uh, some of the hairs will, will go. And then there was a bit of a silence. And she said, what hairs? <laughs> what, what, what hairs will go? And then I was like, the, the slight ha hairs on the top of your lip. And, and it wasn't slight. There was quite, it was quite, it wasn't thick, it wasn't a moustache, but there was there was quite a few hairs there, like, and it was like, oh, this is gonna be bad. But there was just a very awkward silence. What hairs? Yeah. And I was like, then I was like, do I do I point out that you do have quite a few black hairs on the on the top lip, or do we just move past it? <laughs> anyway, tumbleweeds went through the clinic very very slowly, and um, yeah, so things like that happened. Where as a as a man, as a male practitioner, sometimes you know you have to be very careful. Um, yeah, yeah. Use words like um, "we're in the same age group." 
what if it was a younger client in say a 20s what would you say then <laughs> oh that, i can get away with 20s i mean just i, I just went oh okay but, yeah so i just won't frown or, or raise my eyes so uh yeah i could pass my 20s uh, I'm not saying you couldn't. I'm, I'm just smiling at you very broadly. That's all. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I know we won't get to the end of this schedule, but I'll tell it anyway. There was once, um, a few years back, I was working in a clinic and I was um, renting a room. I was leasing it, uh, this building. And um, I was coming out some work. I had, I had some, a few syringes, dermal filler syringes, ready, starting to inject. And there was a knock on the door and there was nobody else in the, in the room, in the building. So I, for some oddball reason, I had these two syringes and I didn't put them down. I don't know why. I just had them in my hand. So instead of normally, as I normally do, put them down and then go and see who's at the door, I, I just held them behind my back. And I still, to this day, I don't know why I did it, but I held them behind my back thinking I'll just speak to someone and then go straight back to the patient. So I had the two syringes behind my back and it was a postwoman at the door and she had a parcel. She tried delivering it next door and she couldn't get an answer. So she tried leaving it where I was in, in the building. So she knocked on the door. Um, she came in and she said, I'm just wanting to leave a parcel. Is that okay? And I said, um, oh, it's just a slight problem because I think the people might be away for a few days. And I might not be able to give it to them. She said, oh, right. Well, is there anything else I could do? And I said, well, you could. And out of one hand came one syringe. I had the syringe in my hand. I had my overalls and my gloves on. And then I had the other syringe in the other hand. And she saw just me with two syringes in my hand. And then the client from behind the screen shouts out, help, help. And the woman, the postwoman, the poor postwoman didn't know what to do. It was like a scene from a horror film. And... I just stood there with two syringes in my hand, a woman behind me screaming, help. The postwoman in total shock. And I turned around, went back around the, camp, around the um, curtain, and I said, could you really, could you just tell her really what's happening? And I had to come back around. And she said, sorry, joke, just a joke. And the woman, <laughs> she had to sit down. She had to sit down. She didn't, she didn't believe it was a joke. She thought I was just ready to start injecting some woman that didn't want any treatment behind the curtain. It was that's terrible. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's jokes from clients like that. You know, when, you've, when I first started out, and obviously you're treating some friends and family to start off with, and yeah. um, they'll message you and they'll say, I'm not sure if this is normal. But is this what happens when you have Botox? And then they won't, and so I'm just going to take a picture. And then you're like going, oh God, oh God, what's happened? What's happened? Because you, you know, it's like, it's the first time I've ever done it. And then they'll send a picture of like some distortion or something. Yeah. Like, oh, very funny. Very funny. It's a terrible, terrible things people can do. But, um, but no, no, it's nice to see that you've, uh, you, you get some entertainment from your work as well when you do oh, it. Well, I mean, yeah, um, we've got it always professional but um i mean i've got a dry sense of humor so but i think i think one thing you do have to what i always maintain is that you know that our patients are our clients as well because it's always private medicine but yes you know yeah. we're delivering a service but i you know you just you've just got to always be sure of that professional boundary because it's too yeah. easy when you know our clients see us quite regularly and they spend a lot of money and um you know there's a different kind of relationship when we're you've worked in gp practice so you know the same thing it's it's not just in and out it's 
you you know you're building a relationship with them but when client you know clients if they, if they need to be entertained you have to entertain them so yeah <laughs> true enough true enough so um let's have a look so we've talked a bit about your background we talked about a little bit about what we both do um how has things been for you recently you know with covid in particular carrying on with doing your work over the last eight odd months how has it been how's life been for you generally since march so i I'll, I'll have to profess, I, I, we've spoken about business to start off with, and I'm not the best business person. And um, I'm sure uh, my clinic manager would sometimes agree with it. You know, it, not really tr understanding my own value sometimes in what I'm delivering. And, I, and I'm sure yeah. you've done the same thing as well. You know, we'll, we'll look up to the likes of people like Julie Horn or, or Tom Van... Um, Tom, Tom, Tom Van Eek. Yeah, Van Eek, or yeah. any, of the, any of the sort of big um, American clinics that I follow as well. But, you know, as it, it, we do have value. So COVID was a good eye-opener for me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, sorry. So I was just saying that COVID opened my eyes to that I had to shut down the clinic for the first lockdown. I just did a lot of GP out of hours. And it made yeah. me realise that actually maybe I wasn't running my business as successfully as I should be. Um, yeah, and that's where obviously aesthetic entrepreneurs helped a lot. But I did enjoy doing that GP work, and I felt like I was adding value, especially during yeah. lockdown. But the clinic was completely shut. This time, right. what what I've said is that anyone that started on treatment, we will try and carry on that treatment depending on uh, risk. Yeah. But again, the clinics essentially closed. You know, we're not. I'm not doing yeah. fillers. We are doing supplement work. We're doing um, skincare, which is you know yeah. is important. But, you know, who would have thought that, you know, leaving a very secure job uh, last year um, into the most yeah. stressful time. But, you know, this is, <laughs> this time now is where, you know, where legends are made. You know, I want to be in five years time, be like, well, I, my business and my clients were well served despite the yeah. most, the most trying and stressful time. And we've yeah. made a success of it. And I'm sure you're the same as well, aren't you, in terms of... Yeah. It's, it's basically making the most of what you've got. And um, when, when we've been speaking together in AE and Aesthetic Entrepreneurs, Richard's been really good about how to keep yourself motivated to progress, even at the hardest times in your working life, times like this. And it was his advice, you know, to try and maintain your um, presence to your clients and your patients. That's what makes them believe in you if they think you've just vanished off the face of the earth they're going to not they're going to look elsewhere they're not going to stick to you um and it was really useful to listen to the to the webinars that richard was coming out with talking about what you need to do and why you need to do it and it was all based on his own experiences um so for me I, i've been kept i've been keeping in touch with all my clients letting them know what's been going on um carrying out online consultations, you know, with video. Um, it's it's different um, doing a video consultation. What do you think about video consultations uh, in, in relevance, you know, to face-to-face, -to -face, the, the variation between the so, two? Um, so I, so where I am now is is set up. So this is our, this is a study stroke office at home. And I, I try and do video consultations from here or from, um, but remember my background, I'm used to it. So whether yeah. it's, um, 
whether consulting with a medic who's stuck in the middle of nowhere right. treating someone yeah. or whether it's triaging over the phone or whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, video is just another means of communicating with, with patients. So yeah. I, I'm used to it, but yeah. the aesthetic consult, the private medical consult is something different. And it, it it's, um, it's something that I guess no one's, taught us about it but from both of our experiences yeah. because we've we've spoken to patients on the phone even before you know video as a concept and it you know it allows yeah. it allows us to assess i mean i've done some initial dermal filler consultations by video yeah. um and so that when the patient comes in we do a repeat consultation but you know video allows yeah. itself to and you can see them and there's a connection so video yeah. I, I enjoy it i think it's good as long as um yeah as long as the patient feels comfortable as well. And most people do, because actually the great thing about COVID is that people have had to adapt and that's helped yeah. us connect better with our clients. But we've had to adapt as well, haven't we, in our practice of working day to day. It must have been difficult for you being like, say, an out-of-hours doctor over the last lockdown. You, you must have been now seeing patients at home, I'm guessing, quite a lot. So this was, I, I mean the last lockdown what would happen is if you had to go and see a patient at home that was you and potentially they had covid that was you out then you were taken out the equation for that shift right. so yeah. we were trying to get patients to come to the the gp hub where we were seeing out of hours patients so it's quite difficult and i think the reason why i do out of hours is that you know we if you inhabit the world of aesthetic sometimes you know you're it's very different world, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying we're all driving Ferraris and, you know, just yeah. <laughs> coming out of the trees, but it's a different problem, isn't it? And when you see people who maybe um, aren't as comfortable as us, who aren't, you know, um, are from a different socioeconomic background or not, you know, it, it, I don't see elderly people in aesthetics very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see, I don't see children obviously in aesthetics either. So yeah. it's that balance. I think that's what it brings for me is is um, doing that. Yeah. What What about it's It's another question I was thinking about. It's not something I've I've mentioned about before. But other businesses um, in the aesthetics world, it's been a big problem with COVID and being able to work. Um, do you see a lot of businesses having to close um, because of COVID? You know, aesthetics businesses around you. Um, so where where I'm in Rutland, it's quite it's quite rural. So um, mm. if there are aesthetic businesses around, we're quite far. I mean, Leicester is the next big sort of aesthetic hub, and I think I can't remember for skin. I know some skin clinics are staying open because obviously they're CQC registered and they're they're doing medical yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I've got I've got good friends who you know they work from home, um, or they operate a, in a city uh, in Nottingham, for example. A, they're not closing they're just adapting um, yeah. yeah and i think that's what the key word is they're adapting and i think that's where i think places will close but the, the the way that aesthetics is it's such a cottage industry that you can people do just close it down don't they and then they do yeah. the other work whereas yeah. yeah and i'm guilty of it but i guess for you where you're full-time aesthetics yeah. that means something so when you're choosing someone uh, and Clients have said this to me. They said, "You know, I do four days a week aesthetics, and the rest of the time is the other stuff." Yeah. But they say, "You know, they, they they chose they chose to come to my clinic because I'm more full time in this speciality." Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the same yeah. is for you as well. It is. It is. It's just um, 
you try and you try and maintain your ability to help clients as much as possible. Times like this, this is the time your patients and your clients see what you're doing for them. Um, it's very easy to compare one practitioner to another based on what they can do for you. At times like this, it's the hardest times that show the difference between one person and another. It's not the easiest times that makes that, that shows that difference. I think it's the hardest times that makes that more apparent. So I try, as I say, to keep in contact with my clients, try and help them where I can, um, and try and try and support them as much as possible. You know, whatever they may need, I will try and do. And I also try and reflect back and see what I've done to try and improve. So auditing, um, looking at what how I communicate with patients. Other practitioners as well. There's other practitioners that have asked for my help and support in terms of what they need to do um, to start working again um, after the first lockdown. I had a lot of practitioners saying to me, Viv, what do I do? How do I do a COVID secure um, check of my premises? How do I do a risk assessment? I've got no idea. I've never come across COVID before. Because Viv, you're, you're setting up, uh, I mean, you've been working on this for a while, but you're going to implement, uh, you're going to start your training academy, aren't you? In. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I'll be doing, um, along with one of my uh, colleagues, Claire, Claire Shaw at Butterfly Aesthetics in Wakefield, we've both trained with numerous lip augmentation lip, lip augmentation specialists around the world, including Julie Horn. So we've been getting a lot of inquiries from individuals all over the place, doctors, nurses, dentists, pharmacists, um, asking us if we'll help to train them. To, to do lip augmentation work like our own. So with the training we've gone through ourselves, we're in a good position to be able to help others who are looking for high quality training um, in lips in particular, lip augmentation work. So I'm going to be starting, it was likely to have been this year because of COVID, it's been delayed a bit. Yeah. So it's likely to be next year, um, early part of next year. I'm talking with Claire about setting up our own training academy to do lip augmentation masterclass work um it'll be for advanced practitioners um you need the experience just like you would with julie horn she expects three full years of full practice yeah. um we need practitioners we'll take practitioners on healthcare practitioners who are able to work with experience but are looking to get good quality training to carry out lip augmentation work um I'm also friends with Gillian um, Murray, who's on the board of the ACE group, um, yeah, and she's a clinical pharmacist. She's a clinical pharmacist practitioner. Um, she's interested in working with us as well to look at complications. So what we'll probably do next year is set, um, set up training that includes lip augmentation work, but also looks at properly, not just a, an hour's session, it'll be a proper training session looking at the complications uh, vascular occlusions and how to actually work in a scenario where that's a problem and how to follow through from beginning to end um, you'll have come across the problem with Essex aesthetics and the, and the uh, occlusion based on that client's uh, nose problem um, so that's brought out a lot of issues in terms of what training practitioners have and how well can they cope under stress when something like that happens? Viv, Who do they speak to? Viv, you sure you weren't in the military? Because that's that we call that moulage. So moulage. Really? Yeah, yeah. So moulage. What you're describing there is moulage. So in the in the army, what we used to do is, and uh, we'd get dropped in 
to um, a theoretical situation and you just yeah. have your team members there and there'd be, you know, you'd walk into, for example, a tent that's been set up yeah. as a trauma tent and you'd have someone with some sort of injury there. And then right. the guidance, then the direction was, right, this is what you're faced with. You're the team, get on with it now. Yeah. Um, and then you just yeah. have these, you just have these moulages one after another, yeah. and you you put sometimes you'd be there for I mean the the one that I did before I went to Afghanistan was um, a twenty four hour immersive moulage, and I can just imagine now in my mind now I've got you with back to back wow. moulages, so one after another you're presented yeah. with these you know critical problems in aesthetics. How would you deal with it? Um, and that's, well, that, uh, look, count me in, I'm there, let, let me... Let me <laughs> you're, welcome, you're welcome to join you, but as I say, the, the training, I personally don't think training in aesthetic practice has been fantastic. And I think there's a long way for improvement in proper, good quality training. Um, anyone can train someone, but if that trainer is no good at what they do, how do you expect the trainee to be any good at what they do? And that was one of the problems that the Essex... Uh, aesthetics issue of solving that vascular occlusion. That was one of the issues involved in that problem. Um, but myself, Claire and Gillian, hopefully, will produce some sort of training that will help practitioners learn the best and safest ways of carrying out the lip augmentation work. My speciality, my niche micro-speciality, is actually looking at lip scarring and uh, defect, um, birth defect problems. So trying to fix the likes of um, partial cleft lip problems, you know, trying to help improve the appearance of individuals with uh, defects around the lip area, perioral area. Um, very, very few practitioners in the UK have got any knowledge of proper scar treatment around the lips. Um, when I trained with Derma Medical, and I'm sure perhaps with you when you did training, the, the advice was to avoid a scar. You don't go anywhere near a scar. And that is still the case now. Um, you still, the, the training academies still say the same thing. When you've got a scar, you don't go anywhere near it. The filler will cause problems and it'll get worse. That's how you're taught. But if you know exactly what to do and how to do it, you can make quite a good improvement in the appearance of the scarred area if you know the techniques involved. And I speak to uh, researchers, I speak to Tom Van Eyck, who does um, a lot of research work looking at toxin and fillers. Um, and there's numerous techniques that can be used to try and alleviate the problems of a scarred lip. Um, and the difference, isn't it? So that we, behind the scenes, obviously patients don't realise this, but they probably think, you know, uh, I'm sure my patients don't, but you know, sometimes people will just think we go home and we're just, you know, s swimming in, you know, it's a screwed up duck scenario where you're just swimming through the vault. Um, but actually yeah. what we do is we go home and, and we start reading and we look at, you know, I'll spend a lot of time going through the ACE complications group, looking at what's been happening during the week. Um, yeah. And, but that's, that, it's the innovation. So that's where it might look simple what we do in clinic, but it's the innovation yeah. behind it. And I think um, that niche speciality. So for example, you know, if a, if a client comes to me and I consulted them, um, then and they've got this problem. Then I'll I'll say, look, well, I know a very good practitioner, and this is a speciality. Rather than going, Viv, can you? If I put you on yeah. FaceTime, just uh, that, you know, yeah. that that's that's one of the ideas I've actually had about yeah. um, setting up like the equivalent of a directory of practitioners around the country that specialise in certain areas. Say, 
suppose someone in Leicestershire was specialist, a specialist in tear trough dissolution. There's some um, acute injury. There's some acute problem with the filler. It needs to be sorted out quickly. Um, if there was a directory of practitioners that you could look at um, and you could, you could refer patients to a specific practitioner in your locality, it would save a lot of problems. It's funny you should say that. So I had a patient who, not mine, but had contacted me. She was unhappy with her tear troughs that had been done and she wanted me to um, dissolve them. But the point was is that I could do it but I'm not a specialist. I'm not, I'm not an oculoplastic surgeon. I'm not an ophthalmologist. So yeah. I'm quite lucky that Dr. Bojani Lynch uh, from, who um, is quite big and obviously tear trough training and, and orbital rejuvenation. You know, she's in Loughborough, which is only 30 minutes away. So my, my guidance would be, our guidance our patient was that I actually contacted Dr. Bojani Lynch, explained the situation and referred that patient over. I didn't make any money from that probably half yeah. an hour to an hour that I spent with that patient. Yeah. But, you know, I know now that she's going to get taken care of properly yeah. um, by someone who's been doing this for years. Whereas, yeah. you know, if she wants, if that patient wants to come back to me and do, you know, facial rejuvenation, like a global facial rejuvenation or, or talk about skincare or anything yeah. like that, then yeah, fine, come back to me. Yeah. But you're exactly right. And, and um, we're very fragmented. It's a cottage industry. I think things will happen in the next few years where yeah you've got big clinics like skin clinic who are you know they've yeah. got vc funding uh, so venture yeah. capitalist funding and maybe that's what will happen um yeah you know they'll start buying up potentially clinics like ours or offering to buy yeah. them or they'll consolidate but viv I've, um, i'm gonna run out of battery on my phone we've been talking for almost an hour I know. Sorry about that. Oh, well, last little bit. Um, what plans have you got for the future, Sonny? What do you plan on doing over the next maybe year or so? So uh, the next year is focusing on uh, making sure the business is running effectively, looking after the patients and delivering on what, you know, making sure the patient journey over the next year for our clients is bang on. So yeah. giving them 12 month treatment plans. But for the future, you know, my clinic is hopefully, going to be more regulated it's more about functional and wellness medicine um, some people kind of call it biohacking and basically what I'm doing my focus is that patients that come and see me you can buy quality of life with the treatments that I'm providing and the recommendations I'm making so not only do I want them to look great I also want to feel great as well so that when they're in their 50s 60s 70s they still look and feel um, like they're in their 40s you know, we can't, I don't have a, I don't have a, a DeLorean or a flux capacitor. I can't rewind time. But what, but what we can do is give that quality of life um, yeah. to make sure that that chronic aging, chronic disease doesn't manifest as much as it is. Yeah. You know, and how about you before we go? Um, as I say, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm going to be involved in a lot of training work over the next year, hopefully. Um, I'll carry on with the work I do, but I'm specialising more in uh, my micro niche area of lip scarring problems. Um, and I like, I'd like to get more involved in training and, you know, providing advice to other practitioners, perhaps producing online support for practitioners, you know, the equivalent of a forum. So practitioners can ask myself, Claire and maybe Gillian about lip lip augmentation problems um people can go to groups on facebook for free 
but you get what you pay for, which is absolutely sweet bog all. You know what I mean? You pay zero, you'll get zero for it. If you expect to go on a Facebook group and ask a specific question about a lip augmentation problem, you'll get 50 different answers. Now, they can't all be right. Um, whatever anyone thinks, there can't be complete accuracy with everyone's answer. So I think there's a need for specialist advice from people that know what they're actually talking about. So I think we, myself, Claire, and perhaps Gillian, may well set up an online forum, um, a paid forum. You can pay a subscription fee. You can get advice from each of us, or and you can. We look at case studies. We look at a case um, by case basis, and we will give you advice about what we think could be done or should have been done to help with that individual client and that patient of of whoever needs that help. So that's something I'm thinking of doing in future. Back, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah. Back. Batches going to go. I, I want to do is because you can't probably see it as well as I can. I'll do a quick shout out to everyone before you wrap up. Yeah. Positive. So, um, yeah. uh, so Laura Beedham joined us. Yeah. Uh, Ejag Wilson, Emma, Emma and FX. Uh, Dr. Jigna joined us. Rebecca from Protocol. Ramina, nine four one zero. Violet Chabra, uh, Balsam joined us as well. Kirsty, thank you. Katie Fern Model, Holly. Um, um, and I think that's for Butterfly Aesthetics. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Asmad yeah. from the States joined us, I think, briefly, but thank you. Uh, Becky Jane, a big shout out to you. One of your clients or? Oh, I'm not sure. Might be a follower. Might be a follower. Okay. Um, uh, Polly Drury, thank you for joining us. Gemma Theakston. Gemma Theakston. Sounds someone. Is that, someone, is that a celebrity of yours, Viv? So, uh, I don't. I, I, I don't think so. Uh, um, <laughs> J Triple Seven Ver joined us. Amber Yule joined us. Will joined us. Thank you. Uh, JD Lou Twenty Seven. Arvinda KM joined. Um, Ella Anderson. Uh, Becky. Becky Kiggins joined us as well. Uh, Secret Enhancement Skin joined us. Holly Lilly. Michelle joined. Uh, Melissa Mountford. Thank you for joining us. Mama Chad. One joined us and. And Glamtown from the States as well joined us as right. well. So really... I think I've enjoyed this chat with, um, between the two of us, Sonny. We'll perhaps do another one at some point in, in the future. But yes. um, I've got to say a big thank you for, for joining me and taking part in this. You're welcome. Live. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I'll keep in touch and we'll perhaps do something in the future together. Um, yeah, if you want to sign up to the training, just yeah, let me know. Definitely. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. As soon as COVID right. lockdown finishes, I'll be there as your first, one of your first students. <laughs> Brilliant. Great. Nice speaking to you. Um, I think we've pretty much finished and I was full of chatting now, so we've done really well. So thanks a lot. Um, this will appear on the recording afterwards so people can view it later. Um, but if anyone's interested in the work, so you just, just follow him at Rutland Aesthetics. Um, and he's a really nice bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> You're not denying it, are you? <laughs> I'm too nice sometimes. That is, uh, that you is are, you are. Way. But anyway, um, I'll say bye for now. And um, I've got other practitioners I'll be speaking to over the next few days. So keep in touch and I hope I get more people watching the other interviews that I do with the other practitioners. Um, yeah. But thanks again and thanks a lot, Sonny. Okay, good night. I'll good night, everybody. I'll see okay. you. Bye.